the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Philanthropy SA. This is a podcast about and for the philanthropic community in San Antonio and South Texas. We introduce organizations and people who are making an impact in the community. Beneficent Financial is proud to sponsor this podcast, and it is our hope that you enjoy this conversation about the impact we can have. The goal is to edify and inspire. Now please join our host, Dan Rebman. Thanks for joining us today on Philanthropy SA. I'm your host, Dan Redman, and I'm very, very pleased to be joined by Gordon Hartman. Gordon is uh, probably needs no introduction in San Antonio, given everything that uh, he does for the community and the wonderful uh, things that he's done through. Well, we're going to get into all the wonderful things that Gordon does. But uh, before we do that, I just uh, thank you, Gordon, for being here. We appreciate it very much. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I appreciate it, Dan. Thank you. And um, so usually I start by asking people how they got to San Antonio, but in your case, it was simple. You were born here. <laughs> that's right. So that was <laughs> – Yeah, that's a quick answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, San Antonio's experienced just so much growth, you know, during that time and everything. And I guess from a personal perspective, what does that feel like? to look at San Antonio today versus the San Antonio that you grew up in? It's really neat because uh, I often think back about driving out, for example, out 281 where the drive-in theater used to be at Bitters and going in there when I was a teenager and watching movies and now seeing that and saying, oh, my God, look at what's going on. And then I remember areas way out, a little bit past 1604, of course, was just two lanes. And then there's this place called Timberwood Park out uh 281, and that was like another city. It was so far yeah. out, and now that's like you know right in the middle of the city or right close to the neighborhood uh, that everybody's familiar with. So just to see the growth has been absolutely incredible. I mean, the city has grown uh, more than uh, I mean back in the '60s and where it is today, and the evolution. You know, of course, I was in uh, I watched very closely when my dad was involved on council in the '70s and '80s, and and just kind of knew a lot of what was going on. And I remember discussions of. 1604 and, and 281 about an idea of, uh, wow, they may build a mall there. And it, is anybody going to go there? That's too far. So it's been kind of neat watching it, the growth of San Antonio over the years. Yeah, it has been amazing. And I've heard lots of stories about that drive-in. I got here later. I got here in 92. And so, you know, it was long gone by then. But, you know, uh, folks who grew up here talked about that drive-in. And then, of course, 1604, two lanes, you know, only two lanes. I think they used to call it the death loop. That's right. Uh, at that – at that, uh, uh, I watched uh, Greece, by the way, at that uh, – I remember watching Greece there. That's, at the, that's how long ago it was. So I'm, the, I'm, I'm aging myself already pretty quick in this. No uh, worries. <laughs> and you're talking Greece, the original era. That's exactly right. Yeah, yes. as a new release. Yes, okay. yeah. Um, so one of the things that intrigued me was that I saw that you attended – at a young mm-hmm. age. And yeah. so, um, you know, how did you get that calling and kind of how does that inform your philanthropic work? Well, um, it was something I, I – uh, my brother – two of my brothers went as well uh, prior and um, I always had an interest and a desire to go there because I, I got to know it, of course, as I watched my older brothers go and, and how much they 
uh, were able to achieve by having par- being part of that atmosphere, that culture, if you will. And so I went and I spent four years there. And um, it was – I've often mentioned there are three things that have been um, – uh, critical to my life, and that is uh, the way my parents um, uh, taught me when I was young about uh, the significance of helping others, seminary life, and, and what it did for me, and then also, of course, uh, my, the birth of my daughter, who's really opened my eyes, and we'll talk about that later. But it, the seminary was it was great for me, and I, I've often said that if I hadn't gone to the seminary, I would have not have been able to go straight from that once I decided that was something I did not want to pursue, uh, straight to business. Because I started, uh, I was actually in businesses when I was in the seminary. I actually cut grass and things and had quite a bit of work going on and, and trying to to do, being a seminarian, also have a business going, really, truly. Yeah. It was overwhelming, really. Uh, but I did it, and um, so it allowed me an opportunity when I was, uh, when I turned 19, to then get into business pretty aggressively. So uh, I don't have any uh, college degrees. I often tell people that I went to orientation and I got an F, so I thought it'd be best I just leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you've got a PhD in the School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> That's so. right. Yeah. Um, well, actually, and you've, you've received uh, honorary degrees and from yeah. Our Lady of the Lake. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you don't have to call me doctor. It's okay. I appreciate yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> you've also been involved in the political side of things. Yeah. So um, obviously you mentioned your you reference your father and of course I imagine that was a piece of that, you know, was was part of that, having seen that firsthand growing up and, and that type of thing. But um, kind of what made you make the decision to focus on philanthropy rather than – Politics. Uh, I, well, first of all, um, philanthropy is something that I, I was blessed at the, at the age of 41 to be able to retire, if you will. Uh, I had started at 19, as I mentioned, so I was 22 years in the home building land development business. We started a mortgage company, a title company, an insurance company. And so at 41, uh, with the opportunity to be able to sell back in 2005, it just um, – I knew that uh, there was another calling for me, and it wasn't uh, called making another buck. It was called uh, how can I make a significant impact. And I'm blessed with a daughter, uh, Morgan, who is an incredible young lady who just turned 30, who uh, has really made an impact on my life, my wife's uh, life, and everybody she comes in contact with. Um, She has um, both uh, cognitive and physical special needs. But always has a smile on her face, has done things well beyond expectations of what was thought. And it's because uh, she has many of the things that allow her an opportunity to achieve that maybe others who don't have those same things that she is able to have, such as the right doctors, the right therapists, the right caregivers, that sort of thing. And so I've felt that uh, since I was retiring at an early age, that I really want to make my life significant in a significant way or make a big difference. And so I said, I want to spend the second half of my life uh, in, in assisting individuals with special needs who may not be as lucky as Morgan is because of financial resources and opportunities that she's able to get that others can't. And that's the basis of the, forward, the, the, the development of our foundation when we sold the company. Little did I know it was going to turn into Morgan's Wonderland and all that. That was not on the agenda at the time. But then certain um, things happened that caused that to occur that has now led to something much, much larger, Mm -hmm. uh, to numerous uh, opportunities that we're involved in. I don't look back for a second at what I'm doing. I love every moment of what I do. I work harder now, really, hour-wise than I did back when I was running numerous companies. And it's not because I have to. It's because I want to. And, the, and I often tell people fulfillment is a lot bigger and stronger than any dollar you can put in your pocket. 
And so I love it. I have an energy level. I was at the office early this morning. I have appointments until late today. I'll work some tomorrow. And it's all about the same focus of trying to bring about more inclusion. But it's really, I think, uh, when I look back, it's because, as I mentioned earlier, I was brought up understanding that's important. Number two, seminary training, really, especially the Oblates, who I was uh, a member of, really ingrained that in me. And then, of course, uh, Morgan and recognizing the needs that exist there. So philanthropy is something that I think is very important to me, not just giving them money, but also participating, getting your hands dirty and really understanding how to make things better and bring about more inclusion. So that's why it's – and how does politics play in that? Well, I I love uh, love monitoring and watching city politics and growing up in it since my dad was on the city council – um, back when Henry Cisneros was on the city council, and Henry was 28 and I was 12. So uh, I was the guy who went and ran and got hamburgers and hot dogs and coats for everybody. And so I grew up around it. And so I, I'm still very much, I think, somewhat involved uh, in, in the political area of, of what's going on uh, here in San Antonio and also on a state level and county level and, and some federal level activity. But really, I always come back to, to the heart of what I really want to do, and that is to assist our friends with special needs. Sure. Well, and, and, you know, obviously Morgan inspired your focus on helping people with special needs. Um, and Morgan's Wonderland is, you know, the most visible piece of that, I think, to the general public, you know. And, I mean, you know, uh, I was just at an event there, you know, we're honoring some uh, leaders in the nonprofit community not too long ago, you know, and that type of thing. So a lot of people have been there for events as well as obviously the, the theme park itself. Um but, you know, I guess tell me about the organizations that your foundation supports in addition to and, and Morgan's, you know, that, that brain of Morgan goes beyond the, the theme park. And so tell us a little bit about that. Well, it does. Uh, you know, we opened Morgan's uh, this April will be April 10th of this year will be 14 years since we opened. Matter of fact, right now we're going through a major uh, upgrade adding some new rides, some rides that have, don't exist anywhere else. Uh, we're going to have a new zip line that will take people over the lake 13 stories. Even if you're in a wheelchair or you're visually impaired, hearing impaired, whatever, no matter how acute your special need may be, even if you're on a breathing apparatus, on oxygen, you'll be able to do it just like anybody else. So we're going to add a lot of other things as well. That have, I mean, I've got a ride coming all the way from Italy because they, in Italy I found someone who would build a specific ride for us that was ultra accessible, fully inclusive. So it's come a long way in 14 years, but in that time as well, uh, and that if I look back at the past 14 years, after we built Morgan's, we immediately got into the soccer business, and that was called Soccer for a Cause, uh, because I wanted to bring soccer to San Antonio. I thought that that was a missing. So I built a stadium across from Morgan's. Uh, we we did Soccer for a Cause, and then about five years later, we sold that. Uh, to the Spurs and, and to the city and the county, and they've taken it over and done a great job with it. But all those funds from that, all the profit from that, went directly towards assisting individuals with special needs. We said, let's get back into doing some other things to really try to bring about more inclusion. What we're about is looking at something and saying, let's get outside the box, not just think about it, but actually do it. So we said, well, let's take Morgan's Wonderland and let's add water, so let's do an, a, a water park. Well, that sounds simple on the surface, but not when you're making sure that someone who comes in a wheelchair who's on a battery-operated wheelchair that can also enjoy it and be independent. So we had to develop uh, pneumatic wheelchairs, uh, which only exist. We, only, we have the only 10 pneumatic wheelchairs in the country here. Wow. And then we, had to, we have a wheelchair valet. At times, there's maybe 40 people. Uh, within the water park that are in wheelchairs, but they're not in their wheelchair. They're in our wheelchairs, and we have a great valet that allows them to go in and out. So it allows for everybody to participate. 
We opened that in 17, and then uh, about six years ago, we made a decision we were going to do three things, and that was we wanted to build a sports facility called Morgan Sports. Uh, that's where those with and without special needs can play basketball, football, soccer, uh, tennis, pickleball, volleyball, basketball, numerous things. And that um, then opened, we built that during COVID and then opened it right after COVID uh, ended. And then also during that same time, we were building a camp, which is about 13, a 13-minute drive from Morgan's, which is on 102 acres and, again, has some things that don't exist at other camps. Uh, it's a large camp, too. It, it can sleep over 600 people a night. Wow. Uh, it, it sees more than twice what an average camp does in the state of Texas, and we're only in our second or third year. But it has a, a challenge course that will allow someone, again, that has either cognitive or physical issues, uh, you know, or visual impairment or whatever, to be 22 feet in the air uh, on the challenge course, totally independent. And that was because we specially designed it and really thought it through. And that's what we try to do is not just build something but say, okay, how do we make sure it's for 100% of the population, not just for 85% of the population? Because about 15 to 20% of the population has some form of special need which is a large number worldwide. It's about 1.2 billion people. People don't realize that. And then, of course, at last October, we opened up the Multi-Assistance Center, which is a navigational – the key to it is navigation because many times, as I talked about with Morgan, she has all of what she needs, and she has parents and, and, and excellent caregivers who are able to make sure she has all the medicine she needs, all the doctor's appointments are made, everything is followed through, and if something doesn't happen, someone's watching it. That's an exception to the rule. So the Multi-Assistance Center – which is a 165,000-square-foot facility right across from Morgan's, is geared towards assisting individuals with special needs to navigate through the processes of medical, therapeutic, and other issues such as legal issues, food insecurities, and things like that, and closing the loop. You can't just give a family a list and say, call these people, and I'm sure everything will work out. No, you need someone to be holding your hand who knows how to do it, how to get it done. And right now, that has been incredibly successful. I mean, it was so successful, we actually had to take a pause because we're, we're bringing in people too fast, and it was just like, whoa. Was, and so the pause just was released, and so now we're bringing in about 100 new people per week. Wow. Ultimately, that will help um, somewhere between eight and 10,000 people by the end of the year. And so those are big numbers doing a lot of things to help a lot of people. But we have a lot more things that we're getting ready to start as well. We'll be opening up an ambulatory surgical center. Uh, at the middle of of, of twenty of this year, I'm still on twenty three. Uh, yeah. Twenty four now, uh, and and so we're opening up. And you say, well, why build an ambulatory surgical center? Individuals with special needs many times are not able to get into uh, surgical facilities at hospitals because it takes longer. Also, many of the facilities are not built to deal with some of the issues that uh, meltdowns and things like that. We handle all that in respect to how we built it. We're also next week we'll actually open up a salon. Uh, where people can get haircuts. Anybody can get a haircut. But if you have a special need, many times you – well, that's just – everybody can get a haircut. No. Sometimes it takes a certain uh, uh, person who has been uh, educated in how to do that to deal with a, a child or an adult who is not used to it or is not comfortable with it. But we'll, they can cut my hair, your hair, anyone's hair, but they also will ensure that they'll take two or three hours to cut someone's hair who wants it done professionally. And even though we've done a soft opening for a month – We've already had people from all over Texas come because they never have had their child or the person they care for ever be able to get a professional haircut. Small things make a big difference. And then uh, we're uh, getting ready to break ground on Morgan's Inclusion Campus, which will be a campus that will consist of our institute. And the institute is going to be uh, being able to assist individuals, uh, corporations, foundations, others who want to 
uh, be able to learn more about how to become more inclusive. That's what we're all about is inclusion. We're not about just assisting special needs but bringing special needs together with those who don't have special needs. So the Institute will have a director by the end of the year who will fully run that. And then we're also building a, a facility uh, called Morgan's uh, Wonder Care, which will assist acute special needs individuals. These are folks who, uh, most of them, all of them are in wheelchairs. Most of them are visually impaired, hearing impaired, um, have many, may have 20 to 30 doctors uh, having to handle their, the fragileness of their situation. But they never leave their home, many of them. Well, that we want to change that. That's not right. They need to be socialized and have an opportunity just like anybody else. So we're going to build this facility. It's going to have a, a two-to-one ratio, a three-to-one ratio in respect to uh, individual who uh, is fragile to the person who is watching them, the nurse or the whatever. And that's a facility where I'm really excited about because I think it's an area that there hasn't been any focus on, and we're really going to move with that quite well. And we're working on future projects. We're gonna, we are, have been having uh, town halls about uh, building the first ultra-accessible, fully-inclusive hotel. Uh, that has taken on a lot of energy, well beyond what I thought. There's a, there's, the need there is incredible, and I'll tell you why. You think about San Antonio, we have about 48,000 rooms here. Last night, 30,000 people slept in San Antonio. 15% of them probably had some form of special need. 5% of them had a special need that required assistance. So that alone, that 5% of that 30,000 is 1,500 people who need to have a facility, but ADA really doesn't deal with that when it comes to lodging. We're going to show a new way to do that and just build it. And it will have a rooftop bar, so everybody will know it's fully inclusive, ultra-accessible, everybody. You, I, anyone, it will look like any other hotel, but it will ensure that whatever uh, issue you may have, whether it be cognitive, physical, visual, hearing, whatever, it can be taken care of in, whatever, in every room. So these are things that we learn from listening to people. But, uh, and we, I have a lot of other things I could go on. But I, I, I <laughs> we have other projects that we're working on and, and other things that we're working on because I'm blessed with a, 185 full-time individuals who are working in all the different activities that we have going on. And we have about another 130 part-time folks who help us do what we're doing. So we've gone from this little bitty idea of let's build this place called Morgan's Wonderland and believe it or not, that just represents about 20% of our activity now. So that's why we have gone through a rebranding recently called Morgan's because mm-hmm. it's, everything now filters under that umbrella. So uh, a lot of stuff, all good. But the key thing here is that we're not going to keep it close. We're going to start expanding it into other areas. I, I'm very confident this year we will announce the second uh, Wonderland to be uh, built in the United States. And so that's coming hopefully pretty soon, and we'll be able to announce that. So uh, we're just getting started. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, so it's very clear when, when you talked about the energy and all that that you come with. It's it's very clear, and it's. Uh, uh, I see my producer Mark's having to adjust knobs and dials because you know just the excitement level. In here. So <laughs> we're we're all good, but we are going to take a quick minute to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Many of you out there care deeply about wanting to make an impact on the world around you. You want to help take care of the people and organizations that are important to you. And we understand that because we feel the same way. 
Beneficent Financial wants to help you. Our mission is to help people like you with professional, individualized financial advice achieve their objectives. Whether your financial legacy will stay within your family or benefit the community at large, we are able to help. Call Beneficent Financial today, 210-999-5511. In addition to traditional wealth management, we offer philanthropic services such as direct donations of required minimum distributions, donor-advised funds, and foundations. Call 210-999-5511 or go online to beneficentfinancial.net. Let us help you do well so you can do good. Securities offered through Momentum Independent Network. Member SIPC slash FINRA. Okay, thanks for joining us today on Philanthropy SA. I'm your host, Dan Redman, and I'm very pleased to be joined by Gordon Hartman. And he was just going through all of the great things that are going on in the world of Morgan and all of what's, uh, what's coming in a new hotel and all kinds of things. And one thing that I just, you know, that you had mentioned several times and it just, you know, I want to reiterate is that the great thing about the, those things that you do and, and start, you know, with Morgan's Wonderland, but these other concepts that you're talking about is the notion of inclusion. In other words, you're not building places or creating experiences for people who have special needs. You're creating experiences for everyone. And by the way, anyone can go because they're super inclusive. Right. That's exactly right. That's the whole idea has been from day one. Uh, But we do things to make sure – like if you go to Mortgage One and you have a special need, you get in for free. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because it's tough for individuals with all the medicine and the doctors and all that. So we don't want that to be a barrier. That said, if you don't have a special need, you pay to get in. But when you get inside, it's a beautiful culture to watch how – um, in, it, even on crowded days, uh, we have a thing called Joy Fast Pass. So if someone has a special need, they can actually go to the front of the line. And people are very open and understanding of the culture of what we're about, recognizing that, yeah, we're all in this together. So it's great for the individual with special needs because of their uh, self-esteem that rises because before they were not thought that they were able to participate. But also for the families and everyone who's there who doesn't have a special needs, it's also a learning experience for the children and the families and everything to go, hey, this is we all in this together. That's why we do what we do. That's awesome. Um, so as you look out on the landscape, and, and I think some of it we're going to kind of can be gleaned from some of the things that you've already mentioned, but where are the areas of needs within the special needs community that still need addressing, that still need, you know, that, you know, kind of directs what you're going to be doing next? There's a lot of areas. I would tell you probably the most, the area I hear about the most in respect to one that we're not involved right now, but we are exploring opportunities and in the future is housing. Um, There is so much need when it comes to good housing for individuals uh, with special needs, whether it be cognitive or physical. And, um, and and some of that is just a remodeling of places for people to accommodate where they're currently living, which is a whole other issue, but also being able to develop places where people can come and live in a good place but also be very much uh, socialized and activities and things like that. And that's probably what I hear from parents and caregivers the most is I want to make sure that uh, the individuals I'm caring for, uh, my my son or my daughter or whoever, uh, is taken is has a good place to live, be, and also that is something that may be long term that they can have, 
knowing that I'm not going to be here forever and set that up. And no, those are very limited right now and, and or when they exist, they're very expensive. And we always try to try to think about everything that we do to try to make economics not a barrier. And so to do that, it's tough because things cost a lot of money, and especially when it comes to things that are helping individuals with special needs, tends to be more expensive sure. uh, because the market, uh, it just it's that way. And so I will tell you that we are working very hard to try to not just develop it, but make sure that when it's developed that it's successful and can really assist those uh, in a proper fashion. That's, so that's probably the number one thing. There's numerous others, but that's the one that I think there needs to be a lot of focus on to, and, uh, in respect to assisting um, what we did, what we're doing at the MAC, of course, we thought was very important. We're now moving on that. And that's just a closing of the loop of the needs that exist. Uh, so many individuals that we would run into would go, well, why haven't you had, you know, we, so-and-so needs this help. They wouldn't know how to get there. And that's something that we're, I, the multi-assistance center has enormous potential to move into many different markets in Texas and even outside Texas, especially because we develop it through the Mac now, which is an electronic platform, which we actually are our own software developer on. We actually have four developers work full-time on it, continuing to make it better. Why I bring that up is because we've got to get better at how we do things. We've got to become more efficient. The way we do things right now, we keep saying, well, maybe if we put more money at it, that that will solve the problem. No, the problem is, 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 is the way in which we go about doing it. Somehow we have this thought that if we keep doing it over and over, it's going to get better, and that's insanity. It's not going to. So those are the kind of things that I think we're doing right now to focus on some things that we haven't addressed yet but really do need to be addressed. That's why I often use the term we're just getting started because there's so many more yeah. things that need to be done. Well, and, and you referenced earlier with 15 percent of the population yeah. in a situation of some level of need in this area, that's just – I mean, just within greater metropolitan San Antonio, that's yeah. a huge, you know, 300,000 people. That's so. exactly right. So, you know, that's, that's, that's incredible. Um, now, your foundation does more than just those projects that you're directly involved in and that type of thing. You support other organizations that are in this space and, and help people uh, with special needs. And so how do you decide what organizations are going to be supported and, you know, and – you know, what, what are kind of your criteria, um, you know, uh, referenced uh, Harvey Najem off air, you know, yeah. and that type of thing. You know, he has his niche for kids, right, and right. children and, and that. And, of course, you know, that type of thing. So – and yours is in the special needs area. What is it that you kind of look for as you're making those decisions? Well, the focus is the foundation. First of all, the foundation is separate from everything Morgan's. Mm-hmm. Many times people put them together, but they're actually a totally separate – um, you mentioned Harvey Najem. I, I have to tell you, Harvey Najem is an in- incredible individual who has gone well beyond. Uh, he and I met. We both sold our companies about the same time, and we met for lunch, and he told me what he was going to do, and he's done 20 times what he said he was going to do, and he's going to do a lot more. The guy's incredible. But those are the kind of people that really make a difference in this community. And But uh, I, I think that um, there's, there's a uh, – well, how we go about it is we focus on what we think – we can get the biggest bang for the buck in respect to every dollar that we put out foundation dollars to assist nonprofits that are looking to assist our friends with special needs. And some of them are consistent every year we give to, but there's some that uh, are coming new all the time. I will tell you that the needs continue to grow every time we have a funding round and increases because the needs are greater and greater. And that's just going to continue uh, because the numbers are getting larger. And, 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 and there's a uh, – what we really try to do, though, is say what – it's not all about just 
the numbers of how many people they're helping, but who they're helping, how they're going about it, who runs them, how well they do it. I mean, there's really a, a, a very thorough process that's done to ensure that we can get money to the best place to help as many people as possible. And we run things truly because I spent 22 years in business um, and, and now 19 years pretty soon here in the philanthropic world. Uh, we run everything like a business. We look at it from that standpoint, but also understand that it, there are elements of it that you have to pull business part out of it and look at it from the realistic point of how you can best benefit the individual you're trying to do or the organization or whatever the case may be. So it's not an easy process, but it's a process that uh, I'm, I feel that we do a good job at. Uh, we're going to continue to do more. Uh, we've done a certain amount so far, but we having, we're, not even, we're at the tip of the iceberg of where we're going. I mean, there's a, there's a lot more we're going to do, and, and you know, uh, we're at the stage now where we have our feet on the ground. We're going to start doing more um, because it's the right thing to do, bottom line. Sure. Um, so, you know, you're definitely a thought leader locally in terms of within the philanthropic space and, and that type of thing. I mean, you know, um, I've been on the boards of a few different organizations and with organizations that deal with multiple agencies and, you know, your name and, you know, is one of the names that comes up frequently in terms of when folks are talking about things. And so, um, I guess, what is it that, where is it that you see the direction of philanthropy in general taking a step back from the special needs space, but just where do you see things heading for San Antonio within the realm of philanthropy and kind of what do you like? What do you not like? What do you see that, you know, you, if, if you could wave the proverbial magic wand, what would you do? Well, San Antonio is a city that needs a lot of, of, of philanthropy, uh, both um, uh, people assisting but, uh, but also very much uh, dollars. And, and the reason is um, – in many ways, San Antonio is a rich city in many aspects, but we're also one of the poorest, largest metropolitan areas in this country. And the needs are great. Um, you know, I can talk about food insecurities for the next 10, 20, 30 minutes. The food bank does a great job, but it's just hard to keep up with all the needs that they have there. Uh, mental illness is a big thing that you hear about nationally. It's very big here in San Antonio. Um, and those are the areas that philanthropically people need to really start engaging in and really start to put some focus in. Um, uh, homelessness. Um, uh, you may have seen recently, or get just a general feeling, there's more homeless people on the street than there has been. And, and, it's, and you see that. In, in, um, and I, and I, a lot of times stop and talk to them and just try to, why are you here? What happened? Tell me what's up. And um, many of them just lost a job, had a situation, bad situation happened to a good person. They're good people, but they're, they, there's a lot. It costs a lot to do those sort of things, and uh, and it takes time and people and have a passion to want to help them. But we need that here in San Antonio. We need more people, whether you have resources or not, to f- think philanthropically about what you can do to assist individuals just in this city. There's a lot of things around the country and around the world that need to be done. I try to say, let's focus here. I'm, and it's, I guess that's because, as we mentioned earlier on, I was born here. This is the only city I know. I've lived here all my life. We can call that boring, but I call it exciting because it's San Antonio. So I will tell you that you know there's a lot of need here. And uh, I'm going to do as much as I can until I can't anymore to try to ensure that we help as many of those people. With a focus on special needs, obviously, is where I sure. want to put it. But as you mentioned, pulling back from special needs, there are so many other areas. And, and those are the two that I, I would say that come to mind the most uh, to me is food insecurities and homelessness 
and mental illness would probably be the areas that really I see where there's a, a desire to get really more involved and there needs to be because the needs are getting worse or are getting more and more all the time because the situation is getting worse all the time. Sure. Um, and, and there are good organizations out there. Like you said, the, the uh, food bank and those kind of organizations trying to yeah. you know, do, their, do their part of there, but those, those problems just seem to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, uh, we have a lot of good big hearts here. One thing that San Antonio does not have that other cities like maybe Austin or Dallas or Houston have is we don't have a big Rolodex. Uh, there's, and so those cities have a little bit more money to work with and things like that. So San Antonio has the issue that I just mentioned, but doesn't have the Rolodex sometimes to be able to address the needs. So that's even more reason why we really got to focus and see how we can do this. And, and to do it isn't just, as I mentioned earlier, everything's not about just throwing money at it. It's about when you get that dollar, how you use it to its ultimate use to ensure that you've accomplished your goal. We have this thing, well, if we put more money at some, I hear that all the time, even in government. You know, well, we just put more money. But well, why don't we step back, look at what we're doing? And that's how we try to look at everything. What are we doing? How can we make it more efficient to make sure that we assist more people, but maybe use the same amount of dollars? And it can be done. That's called good business. That's called good philanthropy. That's called just doing it the right way. Sure. The the need for, for greater efficiencies and yeah. productivity increases, yeah. you know, right. uh, you know, the the world I come from on a day-in, day-out basis, you know, we talk about things like unit labor costs and yeah. those kind of things. Yeah. And, and those are the kind of metrics that uh, that you don't often hear, you know, in the philanthropic world. Um, question for you on the Giving Pledge. So yeah. you are a participant in the Giving yeah. Pledge and um, that, you know, that's having a huge impact on the world. What made you and Maggie decide to participate in this? Well, um Back in, I'm going to say 2016, I may have the year wrong, but I think it was 16, uh, I was inducted into the Texas Business Hall of Fame. That was the same year Warren Buffett was uh, inducted. So he and I and uh, a few other inductees were sitting backstage just chatting before we're about ready to go on stage. And I had a really nice conversation with Warren Buffett, which was kind of cool. We joked about a lot of stuff in time. He brought up the, he, he says, you ever thought about the giving pledge? I said, well, what? And I knew I'd heard of it, but I didn't know about it. So uh, I told him, I said, you know, I'll send you an email, uh, Warren, and I did, and he responded, and, and then he sent me a letter and told me, hey, Gordon, I really want you to think about this, and so I did, and, and then went through a process, and why do we do it? We had already planned that we wanted to give 95% of all of our money away, and uh, we've given a little bit away, but we want to give a whole lot more. Um, you know, we've given nine figures away, but we want to do a whole lot more than that, and because, you know, I I don't... I, I'm the most blessed guy in the world. I have the, you know, <laughs> the, the best uh, daughter in the world, and the best wife in the world. I have everything I need, and so uh, my job is to to try to give back. And so Warren's point was, well, Gordon, why don't you just pledge that instead of just saying you're going to do it? Pledge it. So we pledge. You, you have to pledge at least fifty percent, mm-hmm. and we pledge ninety five percent. Uh, just five percent to ensure that Morgan would have what she needs. Sure. But uh, why do we do it? It's the right thing to do. I mean. I, you know, everybody can make their own decisions on that as to how they want to take money that they've been blessed to get. But I'm a, a gigantic believer. I really believe that too much is given, much is expected. I have been given a whole lot, and I know that, and I realize that, and I feel blessed for it. And every day I want to try to give back. And so why not get involved? And Warren Buffett also, you've seen him on TV. He is a he can influence quite. He's, he doesn't let you go. I guess is the point. Yeah. <laughs> and that's been a kind of a neat process too, because I've had an opportunity to meet with Bill Gates on things, and also meet uh, 
um, with others uh, who around the world who are involved in philanthropic activities. We get together uh, about once a year as a group and learn a lot from it. And that's been a really helpful process for me. So am I glad I got involved? Yes. Uh, is it something that we hope others will get involved in as well? Yes. But moving that to the side, no matter what you give, it's a big number, okay? It's a big impact. It doesn't have to be massive dollars to make a difference. And that's really what I try to emphasize more than anything is that, yeah, a lot of people do give a lot of money, but it's whether or not you give that money and do what is best with it to make it go as far as it can and to ensure that it helps as many people as possible. So I'm I'm, I'm lucky to be a part of it. I feel blessed to be a part of it, and uh, I'm there to learn. (laughs) <laughs> Every day I'm learning. I have a lot more to learn, let me tell you. That's it, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. Yeah, that's so. exactly right. And when you think you know everything, you know nothing at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I actually use the example of Warren Buffett and uh, Bill Gates, and neither of whom have I met, by the way. Um, but uh, I use their example from the perspective of uh, Warren Buffett's one of the biggest contributors to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yes, that's right. So when I'm talking to people about where they want to make a philanthropic in, uh, impact and to, well, we're talking about foundations or donor-advised funds and that type of thing, I just remind them that, hey, there are people out there that are doing this on a daily basis that you can come alongside. You don't have to blaze new trails and that type of thing. Um, that way, and I could go on about you know the last thing we need is another new nonprofit being formed, you know, and that type of thing sometimes, but um what I do you know love is when people come alongside and do that, so to somebody who's listening to us on this and they say, "Wow, you know, I love what Gordon's doing with this, and I want to be a part of it what what can they do? Well, they can do a lot first of all, I think it's uh, I think they can start um just thinking about the thought process of any time they see an individual who has a special need, uh, that they say um, they recognize that and know that and think about it. Just think about what they could do possibly to maybe not help them right then, but what could they do overall for them and, and the um, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, uh, over a billion people in the world who may have an issue, whether it be cognitive or physical, and think about that. Just take a time out. I often say take a time out and just think about it. And then when you think about it, then figure out what action you can take to possibly improve not just their lives but the lives of many. But in respect to uh, directly to what we do, um, we do a lot. And you can find out what we do by just going to morgans.org. And at morgans.org, it will show you all the things we're currently doing, not all the future things that I mentioned that are coming in 24 and in the future, but all of, of the five, six entities that we have going right now. And if you want to get involved as a volunteer, I mean, people come in as individuals, people come in as organizations. I mean, we're always looking for volunteers at all the different things that we're doing, ambassadorships. Uh, A lot of people are in some giving pledges to what we do. Um, Yes, uh, Maggie and I uh, and through the foundation do give money to support some of the things that we do. But I will tell you, most of it uh, is all geared more towards um, uh, operational dollars and things like that are given by people and foundations and things. What we're involved in is in trying to build the infrastructure, if you will. And then that, I always tell people building is easy, sustaining is hard. And so sustaining is what's important. And so if people want to give, we're happy to, to, to be uh, and grateful to that because that allows for us to continue to allow for people who go to our camp to allow for it to be free, Morgan's Warland to be free, for navigation at the MAC to be free, for sporting events to be free, 
all those things to not bring about that barrier. So we ask that, but also participation. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not, like I mentioned earlier, it's not just about money. It's about participating. And most importantly, it's about making sure you always have that feeling that there is someone in need and know that if you just maybe took a time out and thought about that, you probably would maybe adjust a little bit more. You know, I find it interesting. Sometimes when I'm standing in line, I'm not a real patient guy, but I try to be as patient as I can. And sometimes I get see people get really upset when they're, when things don't go real fast. Just stop for a second. Think about if you were in a wheelchair and how long it would take for you every day. And just it, once you start thinking about that, it puts a different perspective on things. And really, I think it helps you in life in general to be able to deal with things. Because sometimes we can get so caught up and uh, things are just like I talked about the salon where everybody gets a haircut, right? No, not uh, – you know, some of the haircuts we've done have taken two and a half hours. And so everybody has a need. And, and so think about how you can assist in that respect, I guess, is the biggest thing. But if anybody wants to get involved with what we're doing, morgans.org is where they need to go. That's awesome. Anything that you want to talk about that we didn't – Oh, my God, how long do we have? I can tell you about all the other things we're getting ready to <laughs> I, I, I can keep going and going. But, look, I, why I appreciate this opportunity is so much is because um, what our job is is to try to tell more and more people about what we do. And by doing that has been our growth. You know, uh, we've had over 3 million people through Morgan's in the last um, – as we get ready to open our, our 15th season, 14 seasons that we've had uh, from uh, 123 different countries. In all 50 states. That hasn't happened because we have a marketing budget like Disney. That's happened because of things like this, word of mouth, social media, all those kind of things. Uh, and so that's why I'm very appreciative of this opportunity to do it. But I would ask that people just tell people about what we're doing. Here's what is interesting. A lot of times when I give talks, I'll ask people, how many people do you know either in your family or a friend who has an individual with special needs or of a disability? And I rarely ever don't have where everybody raises their hand. So this is right there in front of us. And people say, well, I, can, I don't see how it's 15%. I just don't get that. I don't see 15% of people. That's because many times we haven't given them opportunities to come out and be able to enjoy what we take for granted to enjoy. And that's what we're trying to change, and that's called inclusion. That's why we don't, as we talked earlier, that's why we don't just build places for people who have special needs, we build places for everybody to enjoy, but keeping in mind individuals with special needs when we develop it. It's not hard to do. You just have to take a time out, look at it, be logical, be methodical, and just bottom line, bottom line, is just do it. Don't look at it. Do it. Those are great words to end on. Thank you so much, Gordon, for joining sure. us today. Uh, truly our pleasure to have you. Um, I just want to say thank you to uh, – Everybody who was a part of making this happen, uh, our friend Harvey who introduced <laughs> us yeah. and, uh, and, and everything. And so uh, this is Dan Redman signing off and reminding you to do well so you can do good. Thank you for joining us at Philanthropy SA. We hope you found something to inspire you during today's conversation. If you know organizations and people who are making an impact in the community, we would love to hear about it. Until next time, do well so you can do good. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.